in this case, the landlord believes that it that it's a, a great attractor to companies, particularly uh, high-tech companies, to want to look at these, maybe some of these older buildings that aren't as attractive as the newer buildings um, because they have that gigabit speed. Hello, this is the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, and this is Lisa Gonzalez. In 2010, Howard County, Maryland was chosen to receive stimulus funds in order to deploy the Intercounty Broadband Network, or ICBN. The network is now up and running, providing faster, more reliable, more cost-effective connections in the region. This week, Chris talks with Chris Murden, Howard County Chief Information Officer and Director, about the network. Murden shares some of the innovative ways public and private entities are using the high-capacity network to improve the quality of life, education, and telehealth in Howard County. Murden also describes how the ICBN has propelled economic development by providing affordable, fast, reliable connections to a broad range of local industries. Each week, we bring you the Community Broadband Bits podcast to share information on publicly owned networks and related telecommunications issues. Our podcasts are advertisement-free, but they aren't free to produce. We hope you'll consider contributing by visiting ILSR.org and clicking on the orange Donate button. Now here's Chris speaking with Chris Murden from Howard County, Maryland. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell. Today I'm speaking with Howard County Chief Information Officer and Director Chris Murden from Maryland. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm excited to have you on the show. We met briefly uh, after a session that you gave in Massachusetts, I believe, as part of the Economic Development Conference that was put on by Broadband Communities. I didn't actually know all the interesting things that Howard County was doing, so I'm really excited to take a dive into them. Uh, but I'd, I'd like to start by asking you to just describe a little bit, what is Howard County? Where is it located for people who may not be familiar with it? Yeah, Howard County is located right between uh, Baltimore and Washington, D.C. Uh, we're a population of about 350,000, uh, very well-educated population. We're, the, I guess, considered to be the second wealthiest county in the country. Um, so, uh, you know, well-educated, well-funded county and um, very technology-driven. And is that very dense throughout the entire county then? I wouldn't say. I'd say more on the eastern side of the county is more the denser side. On the western side of the county, we still have a lot of farmland. Oh, okay, so you span the gamut. That's so you're, you, as I sort of alluded to, you do have a, a county fiber network, but can you take us back to how that got started? Uh, Howard County's fiber network is part of the ICBN, which is the Intercounty Broadband Network, which is also coupled with One Maryland, uh, which is the state of Maryland's larger uh, broadband fiber network. Um, the the entire network, the ICBN, is about 1,100 miles of fiber. It goes through uh, 10 political jurisdictions, um, most of the central counties in Maryland and the city of Baltimore and city of Annapolis. Uh, but it does tie directly into some of the more rural areas of Maryland, Western Maryland, and on the Eastern Shore. And so before the, the ICBN, did you, um, well, actually, I should say, I know you, were, you weren't as involved, I don't think. Um, you want to just briefly tell us about your involvement and when you came in? Sure. Yeah. So when I came in, the fiber had just, the construction had just concluded. Uh, we had received a federal grant that uh, required us to have all the construction done by August of um, 2013. 
I came in in September, so I had the easier part of lighting it up and, and getting it up and running rather than the construction component. Um, but we did have some legacy fiber uh, prior to ICBN, not much, uh, but it connected a few facilities. But the ICBN really helped us connect many, many more facilities. And you have a history there, so you're, you were you were familiar with everything that was going on prior. Yeah, I was an elected official uh, in the county for eight years uh, prior to becoming the CIA. So what were the motivations for Howard County to, as I understand it, you played a pretty significant role in the ICBN. Yeah, Howard County was the, the lead um, recipient, uh, took the lead in getting uh, the funding from the federal government uh, on behalf of all the other counties, uh, working very closely with the state of Maryland. Um, but our county executive at the time, Ken Ullman, uh, really thought it was a, a great tool for us to not only be able to communicate within the county, um, the different facilities within county government, but also the, um, the communication capability with other counties, as well as obviously the, the cost savings. And uh, we believe it would be a good economic development tool for us uh, to, to share with businesses and to attract companies to come to Howard County. And so one of the, if I, under, if I remember correctly, one of the things that really helped you sort of take this giant leap was that the stimulus program, the, um, the American Reinvestment and uh, Revitalization Act, or the, the ARA. Um, but I, I think that was really what allowed you to invest in a lot of this. Is that right? That's correct. We received a $115 million grant um, from the federal government that really was the, the catalyst to, to help us get to where we are today. And so now that you have this network, one of the things that I always like to ask is to get a sense of how the Howard County facilities that are being served. Um, well, actually, first let me ask you, what, what facilities are on the network already? So I'll, I'll speak to Howard County and then sort of give you some numbers overall for all the counties. In Howard County, every single school is connected all police departments, fire departments, uh, most county buildings. We do have a few county buildings that are in the more rural areas that are not connected today. There's, there are plans to connect them in the future, but, um, uh, you know, they have very few people, you know, five or ten people in each facility. So uh, while we'd like to get it done, it's not a priority at the time. Um, our community college, uh, we only have one hospital in the county, so that, that is connected as well. Um, as well as a, a number of nonprofit organizations. And what kind of benefits are these uh, entities, the, the schools, everyone? How, what are they all seeing because you have this great fiber optic network now? So I, I think the, the, the most immediate benefit that people are seeing is obviously a, a reduction, significant reduction in cost. Uh, while we were, provide, we were buying our, our services from the private sector, uh, county government alone is saving about uh, probably about seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year by using the network, rather than getting it from uh, from another provider. Um, the school system alone is saving about a million dollars a year. All altogether, um, all the users were probably in between uh, two to three million dollar a year savings. Coupled with that, obviously, are significantly higher speeds. Um, so, while our, where our elementary schools used to be used to have a seventy five meg line. Um, each elementary school now has a gig. Our, our middle schools and, and high schools were about 100 to 150 meg line. They're, the middle schools are now at 3 gig, and the high schools are at 5 gig. So obviously significant benefit to the, to the, to the faster speeds. And have the faster speeds resulted any, in any meaningful changes? Um, I know you're not the CIO of the schools, but I'm, just, I'm always curious when you see this jump in yeah. speeds. Have you, have you seen new applications that, that entities can use? 
We have, and we, we work, while I'm not the CIO of the school system, we work very, very closely with them. Uh, we rolled out a very cool app. Uh, we're, we're now doing telemedicine in our elementary schools, in five Title I elementary schools. We have the students have the ability to go into the nurse's office and be seen by a physician who is actually up at University of Maryland's Medical Center in, in the city of Baltimore. We have a full-time physician there that services these five elementary schools. Through um, uh, care clicks, they're able to um, uh, do a teleconference with a physician. The physician also has the ability to invite the parent, so the parent doesn't need to come in. They can invite the parent by clicking on a link. The parent can pull up their browser, see their son or daughter in the nurse's office, can see the physician, as well as see all the scopes that the doctor uses on the child. So if there's a scope that goes in the ear or in the throat, the parent can see from their desk at work what their, what their son or daughter's throat looks like if they have a sore throat. Um, Maryland does allow e-prescription as well, so um, the schools do have the ability to administer medicine or, or to get a prescription for the parent to pick up if their child is sick. So um, that would not have been possible without the broadband. Um, everybody's very excited about it. We're, we're, we've launched it for five schools, and it will be rolled out to all elementary schools um, as funding becomes available. Yeah, I can't help but be a little bit jealous. I, I sort of wonder if the if the the kids in those schools can get better medical care than I can. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's possible. We we have excellent physician staff at University of Maryland. Uh, so one of the things that I wanted to to really get into was the Howard County's gone beyond just serving the schools and the and the public facilities to actually making fiber and I believe some services available to the private sector. Uh, so can you tell me, uh, what if I was a business that was coming to, to, to Howard County, uh, what sort of things might I be investigating uh, that Howard County can do that another county might not be able to do? Sure. So Howard County did become an ISP. So we are providing not only uh, ISP services to ourselves and the school system and community college, um, but we are also making that service available to the private sector. Um, we have probably about 20 different companies at this point that have uh, connected to to the ICBN um, and are receiving uh, IS, in, internet services uh, from us. It is a paid-for arrangement, so we typically um, charge the customer directly for any lateral that needs to be um, uh, constructed to, to connect them to the backbone, and then we charge a monthly fee. Is that, is that what, just typically an upfront fee, or do you work it in over time? We'll do it either way. I think almost every customer that we have has paid for it up front. Uh, but we will we will finance it if that's what the customer prefers. But I believe everyone has been up front. Then then we connect them uh, connect them to 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 the backbone and provide ISP services. I'm curious. Do most of these are they mostly looking for faster than 100 megabit per second speeds? Is there some sort of common thing that they're, they're seeking? Um, I think the common theme that we see is is one we can provide it at a less ex, uh, less expensive price. Um, secondly, better reliability. Um, some of our customers at about three o'clock in the afternoon see a significant decrease in performance. Uh, one company, Entech, uh, actually had has to send their employees home in the afternoon to work from home because performance is so bad from their existing provider. So they switched over to us for more reliability um, and the potential to scale up. I mean, we can we could deliver a 10 gig uh, speed to you if you needed it to, with with with, with relatively no problem. Um, so that ability to scale up and down. We've also tried to get away from locking 
customers into multi-year contracts. Um, seeing that they're paying for the lateral uh, up front, we, we only require a month-to-month contract, which is very attractive uh, compared to some of the other providers out there that will, that will lock you into uh, to a, to a contract that may, you know, as prices continue to decline in the future, you may be paying a higher price because you have a longer-term contract. And so you're actually providing lit services. This isn't just a dark fiber type service. We will do both, uh, and we have both. So we work with uh, some companies, uh, TW Telecom, for example, that, that needed a connection from one, one point of their fiber to another. Um, so we did a dark fiber lease for them. Um, but we certainly are providing lit services as well. So one of the criticisms that public uh, entities, local governments sometimes get is that you're unfair competition, but it sounds like you're enabling uh, the competition of TW Telecom, which, which aims for the kinds of businesses that you've also signed up. That's exactly right. I mean, it, for TW Telecom to have needed to construct eight miles of fiber to connect one of their customers would have been obviously very expensive to do. So we do believe that this is an enabler. So have you seen any challenges in terms of creating an ISP as a county government? I didn't see many challenges. It was very it was difficult in the beginning to to determine what the process was. Um, we had some challenges with setting up our funding. Because we are a public entity, we are exempt from certain taxes that, 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 that need to be paid. So we had to spend a lot of time with legal counsel to figure out exactly how to set up our funding model um, and segregate funds. So we set up three enterprise funds. We set up a government enterprise fund, a government-related enterprise fund, and a private sector enterprise fund. And the reason we did that is to segregate the funds so we wouldn't be taxed on all revenue uh, associated with each of the enterprise funds. We are taxed on the funds that are associated with uh, just the private sector. But if $1 from the private sector or from the government contaminated another pot, we would be responsible for taxes on all three pots. So that was probably the most difficult part of setting up the business, if you will, not necessarily setting up the ISP services itself. So I guess one way of stating that might be that in the instances in which you as a county government are acting like uh, an ISP for the private sector, then then you're paying all applicable taxes, but you don't want to have to pay taxes that you should not have to pay when you're connecting schools and things like that. Is that a fair assessment? That's correct. And so what else are you doing uh, to spur economic development in the area? Well, we've uh, uh, come to an agreement with uh, Corporate Office Properties Trust to connect um, five of their buildings that they're having some difficulty in leasing. Um, They believe that by connecting to the ICBN and marketing gigabit speed to that location, um, they'll be able to attract tenants. It's a little bit different model than we've been working with in the past. We generally work with the end user company uh, to make the connection and to provide the service. We typically aren't dealing with the landlord. Um, in this case, the landlord believes that it that it's a uh, great attractor to companies, particularly uh, high-tech companies, to want to look at these, maybe some of these older buildings that aren't as attractive as the newer buildings um, because they have that gigabit speed. So we're excited about that project. Yeah, that sounds like uh, quite a project. Um, is there anything else that you want to tell us about the, the Howard County experience? Yeah, I, I think the, the, the final thing may be uh, working with the Columbia Association. Columbia Association is the largest community association in the country. Um, it has about uh, 90,000 residents uh, that belong to it. They run uh, pools 
gymnasiums, um, several different types of sports facilities. We are in the process of connecting um, six of their 40-plus uh, buildings. We'll eventually get to all 40, but we're contracted right now to connect to, to six, mostly their gym facilities. They're going to use it to roll out the next sort of generation of um, equipment in their, in their gyms. What it will do is as you go into their gym um, and you touch a piece of equipment, that piece of equipment will know who you are, how long you've been on it, what your heart rate was on it, um, all the statistics that you'd want, and then send it to a website that you can check when you get home or in a facility, and you can track your progress day to day, week over week, month over month. Um, because it's very data intense, um, Columbia Association did not have the ability to roll this out before getting the ICBN. So we're excited about that project as well, that it enables um, our largest nonprofit organization to roll out uh, excellent services to our citizens. Well, it sounds like you're making some great strides to being a very healthy community. That's one of our uh, main focuses of the county, yes. I mean, whether you're in school or whether you're in the workout facilities, you, you've got access to all kinds of data. <laughs> right, right. Well, thank you for coming on the show. It's been, it's been really interesting to learn more about uh, the, uh, the approaches you've taken and, uh, and some of the successes. Great. Well, thank you for having me. Send us your ideas for the show. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at CommunityNets. Don't forget to take a few moments to donate in any amount to ILSR.org to help us continue this valuable service. We have new music this week. Thank you to a person for the song Blues Walk, licensed through Creative Commons. Thanks for listening again, and have a great day.